I feel like we need to pray for that little kid that got tripped by his mom. I feel like there's some roots of bitterness that are developing there. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Uh, We're so glad that you are celebrating with us today. And to kick things off this morning, I wanna make sure that I am wishing some very special uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, some wonderful women in my life. And I wanna start off by honoring somebody uh, that takes care of my own kids, and that's my wife. And uh, husbands and fathers, we have a responsibility to honor our wives and our children's mother in front of them. And so I wanna do that today. So Rachel, I love you. I got this for you. And so can you give my wife a big hand? I love her and she's dying. Come on, you gotta come up here and get it. This camera only goes so far, they tell me, so I can't come. I guess I can, that's a lie. Okay, I'll repent later. I love you, but I'm so grateful for her and uh, I'm so grateful for everything that she does for my kids. And my wife often reminds me that growing up, she didn't have a great relationship with her mom, but I'm so thankful for the spiritual moms that she had in her life that have helped her to become the godly woman that she is today. And uh, my girls are hitting the preteen stage. And so pray for us, first of all, but... Um, dad is uh, no longer getting this stage that we are in. And so I am extra thankful for Rachel and how she pours into them and how she leads them and, and just how she shows them what it means to be a godly woman. And I'm confident by faith that my girls are gonna grow up to be exactly who God has called them to be. And a lot of that is due to the influence that my wife has on them. And so I'm just so grateful for her and thankful for her this morning. I also wanna wish a happy Mother's Day to my granny, Judy, my grandmother. She is my, my last living grandmother, and I love her dearly. And she is the woman that I talk about a lot when I talk about prayer because I have a praying grandmother, and it doesn't matter how long we go in between conversations. And I feel like the older that I get, we don't quite talk as much as we used to. I don't see her as much as I used to. But I'm so thankful for my Granny Judy, and I honor you today, and I just wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I'm grateful for her because I know that anytime I pick up the phone and call her, and I ask for her to pray with me, she will call down heaven on my behalf, and she will intercede on behalf of me and my family. And so I just give her honor today, and I'm just so thankful for her. And last but not least, and I'm probably going to get in trouble because she is last, But she's not here today, so I don't have a flower for her, but I wanna wish a happy Mother's Day to my mom, Tammy. I love her so much. I'm so grateful for her. And if you like me, you should thank her because I wouldn't be here without her. If you don't like me, you can also blame her because I wouldn't be here without her. But I love my mom. Uh, She was such a a great person in my life and throughout my life. Uh, She's poured into me and and, uh, she's just been an amazing mom. And over the past couple of years, I've gotten to see another side of my mom and uh, one that I cherish and, and one where she has shown me what it means to truly have hope in God. A couple of years ago, uh, my mom and really a lot of our family kind of had a falling out with her mother, my grandmother. And uh, shortly after that, my grandmother passed away. And it was as if all hell broke loose in my mother's life. And I have watched over the past two years as she has gone through betrayal and heartbreak, as she has gone through setbacks and setups, as family members have turned their back on her. And throughout it all, she has remained faithful to God. 
And she has never laid down or given up her hope in believing that the promises that God spoke over her life would come to pass. And I just think today on Mother's Day, and when I think back on uh, how she's raised me and back on these past couple of years, I'm so grateful for this season and the legacy that she has left because she has shown us that even when we don't see God moving in our situation, he is still faithful. And even when we don't understand what he's doing and the situation isn't good, she has shown us that he is still a good God. And she has shown us that hope is not something that can be taken from us. Hope is not something that gets lost. Hope is not something that just disappears. Hope is a choice. And I watched as my mother chose to hope and to believe day after day, in spite of what it looked like, in spite of what was going on. And out of that, I watched God bring forth a miracle in her life. And God dealt with the situation, not in her timing, but in his. And she showed us the power of choosing to hope, even when it doesn't make sense. And today, I want to talk to some people who may be here, and maybe you feel like you're in a hopeless situation. Maybe you feel like your hope has been taken from you because of what somebody else did to you. Or maybe you've lost hope because you just can't see a way through the mess, whether it was of your own making or somebody else's. Even myself, I've had seasons and times where I questioned God and questioned what he was doing and questioning how he was moving. And I've experienced hope deferred and sadness, questioning and wondering, God, are you actually gonna show up? And I wanna speak to you what God spoke to me as I was in prayer and preparing for today. And God spoke to me and he said, your hope is not lost. It's where you left it. And so today through God's word, I'm gonna show you how to get your hope back and how to start believing in God again, no matter what you may be walking through. Would you pray for me as I pray for you? Dearly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for every person that is here in the house and watching online. And I just pray right now over these next few moments that you would anoint me, that you would anoint your word. Father, I pray for those that are in here and God, I don't know their situation. I don't know what they're dealing with. But God, I know that you are the God of impossible situations. And so Father, if they're feeling hopeless today, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit at some moment in this service that you would infuse them with hope. That God, you would make yourself real and present in their situation so that they can declare you are good. So we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm gonna be reading out of Luke chapter two. And I'm gonna be starting with verse 41. And I'm gonna read out of the NIV. So if your translation says something a little bit different, that's okay. Uh, We're gonna still get to the same spot together. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. They're gonna show the scriptures on the screen. And we're gonna read this together. But uh, before we do, I wanna kind of set the stage for where we find ourselves in the life of Jesus, because I don't wanna assume that you know everything about Jesus or that you're even familiar with this particular story. If you go back to the beginning of Luke, we, we find a woman named Mary, who many of you probably hear a lot about at Christmas time, and we don't always hear a lot about her later throughout the year. 
But Mary is spoken to by an angel that she will give birth even though she is a virgin to a child who is the son of God. Over the course of this, she almost loses her husband, but throughout it all, she is given this promise of not just a child, but a child who will become the savior of the world, who will have a kingdom, who will be a king without end. And right before we even get to verse 41, she is spoken to by a prophet who reaffirms and speaks over the promise of who Jesus is and who Jesus will become to the nations. And when we come to verse 41, Jesus has now entered his preteen years. And I know that a lot of times we always think of Jesus just as the son of God, but Jesus walked this earth just like me and just like you. And so he went through the same experiences that you and I did. And even though I'm not fully into the preteen years with my kids, I can tell you that if what I've experienced so far is any indication, Mary needed a lot of prayer for this season that she's entering into because preteens can be tough. Verse 41, it says this, every year his parents went to Jerusalem, this was the holy city, for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. If you're somebody that highlights, if you're a note taker, this would be a good verse to write down and to highlight. I'm gonna read it one more time. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus replied, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. If there's some parents struggling, you can highlight this one. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. I want to point out that at the beginning of this text, Mary and Joseph are leading their family to Jerusalem, which is the holy city, and they are there to celebrate the feast of Passover. And if you're new to church, this may make no sense. You may not understand what this is, but this dates all the way back to when Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And if you remember, there were a lot of plagues that God sent in order to free the people. And the last plague that God sent was the angel of death that would come and would would kill all of the firstborn children. 
And the Israelites were instructed to kill a lamb and to take its blood and to spread it over the doorpost so that when the angel of death passed by and saw the blood, he would pass over that house and the child would be spared. And since that time, God gave specific instructions to his people to celebrate, to honor, and to remember this day and remember what God had done for them and in their midst. And so Mary and Joseph are doing something that, as the text tells us, is customary for them. But what I love is, is it shows us that hope starts with the right leading. Mary and Joseph are not just parents that preach one thing and do another. They are living as a model and an example for their children to follow. I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating. I think sometimes we think as parents or sometimes we think as believers, it's enough to say it and not have to model it. We think, well, if I do an Instagram post of my favorite scripture and I tell everybody to believe that that's good enough. And the truth is the way that we live our lives and the way that we conduct ourselves preaches far more than our words ever could. And Mary and Joseph, even to the son of God, are showing him that if God gives a command, we follow it. I love what Joshua said when he was leading the children of Israel and he said to the company of people, he said, choose on this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I've realized that as I read this, the reason that I have hope in Jesus wasn't just because of the things that my dad did for me, It wasn't just because of my mom. I didn't just randomly get on the path and decide to become a pastor and decide to do ministry. But my life is a byproduct of pastors and mentors and leaders who poured into me and who set an example for what it meant to be a preacher and for what it meant to be a leader and for what it meant to be a pastor. And much of what I do today is because of those men and women and their leading in my life. In fact, one individual that had a profound effect on my life was a man by the name of Bishop Kevin Wallace. I love him to death. And uh, I I said this last service, I'll say it again. If you wanna have your socks knocked off by preaching, if you really wanna hear somebody get excited, this is the guy to check out. And I love him dearly. And he was the first pastor that I ever worked for. And, And at his church, everything was about grace, mercy, and the love of Jesus. And and I would hear this preached and I would hear this taught, but one particular uh, moment in my early ministry career, I made a horrible mistake. I mean, I messed up. And it was a bad enough offense that I was convinced that I would lose my job over it, that he was gonna fire me. And I remember he brought me into his office and he was a bigger guy, but he had oversized furniture. And I'm pretty sure he did this on purpose. So when you came into his office and you sat in his couch, your feet would kind of come up off the floor like a little kid, like you were in the principal's office. And I remember sitting there and I was terrified and I was fearful. And I thought, man, This is it. I mean, when you want to talk about not having any hope, I was convinced this was the end of my ministry career that really had just started. 
And I remember he looked at me and he said, today I'm gonna show you mercy and I'm gonna show you grace. And I forgive you for what you did wrong. And I can't tell you the profound effect this had on my life. For the first time, I didn't just hear a preacher speaking it. I watched him act it out and model it to my own life. I didn't deserve his forgiveness. I couldn't earn his forgiveness. There was nothing I could do in my own self to make the situation right. And I realized looking back that what he was teaching me is that this is what Jesus does for us. And I'm not telling you that there weren't consequences for my bad decisions. I'm not telling you that there wasn't punishment or there weren't safeguards that were put in place to make sure that I didn't keep screwing up. But on that day, I truly learned what it meant to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. And to this day, with leaders who probably don't deserve second chances and people that I probably shouldn't give the time of day, I always go back to this experience and want to extend mercy and grace because that's what was modeled for me. And for some of you, you may have not had the best upbringing where mom and dad was modeling the best behavior, but that's why it's so important with who you connect with at the church. Because there are spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents who will pour into your life and who will be a model for how you are to live. Because when you start to see it modeled, that's the place where you can find hope. So Mary and Joseph modeled this for Jesus, and now the feast is over, and they're headed back home. And the Bible tells us that they begin to follow this crowd, but they were unaware that Jesus had been left behind. I think in our modern context, it can be easy to look at this passage of Scripture and think that Mary and Joseph are being neglectful as parents, But the Bible says that they were with friends and relatives. I was talking to my dad about this passage of scripture, and he reminded me when I was a kid, we would go uh, to a place called Michigan's Adventure, and it was like this theme park that the whole family would go to. And my grandmother had 13 brothers and sisters, and they had kids, and their kids had kids. And so we would all, as one big family, we would go to the theme park together, And I can tell you for a fact that there were plenty of times where my parents had no idea where I was in that theme park. And my dad told me, you know, it just wouldn't have been a big deal because we would have assumed you were either with one of your aunts or with one of your uncles or with one of your cousins. And so we would have assumed that you would have been okay. And so I think with Mary and Joseph, because they were in a a crowd of people that they knew and they had fellowship and relationship with, they assumed that Jesus was a part of it. But I realized that as I read this text, that if we are not careful and we start following crowds, it can lead to misplaced hope. And sometimes we will justify it because we'll say, well, that's what my friends are doing, or that's what my family is doing, or that's what I see everybody else doing. So if everybody else is doing it, then... God must be a part of it. And I've learned that when we are just following the crowd and hoping that Jesus is a part of it, it can lead to us getting messed up real fast. When I went to college and was a freshman, I got messed up because I had no foundation in this book. 
I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. But I went to church all the time. I served all the time. Even at 10 years old, my dad taught me how to tithe and how to give. So if I had allowance, my dad would teach me how to do all of these things. And so I assume since I showed up to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday, and because I served and did all of these things, that I was good. But when I became a freshman and started living in Chicago and got my roommates, I discovered that my religion was not the only one that existed in the world. And in my room, in my, my apartment where I lived, I had three roommates and every single one of them had a different faith and a different God that they served. And you know what was scary? They, know, they knew far more about their faith and why they believed what they believed far more than the preacher's kid and what I thought I knew. And all of a sudden, as we got closer and we became friends and I thought they were just the best guys in the world, it caused me to begin to question my faith. And it began to cause me to compromise in different areas because I didn't know what God's word says. And so I began following the crowd. And as I followed the crowd, even though they were loving and they were caring and it sounded good and it felt good, and even though I thought, well, God must be a part of this because they're not bad people, God was nowhere in it. I had placed my hope in the wrong things. Instead of putting my, my hope and my faith in his word, I was putting hope and faith in people. And it caused me to be led astray. The same thing happens to Mary and Joseph. They're assuming because family and friends are there that Jesus, Jesus must be there. But he wasn't. In fact, the Bible says that they traveled for a whole day unaware that Jesus was not in their midst. I don't know if you have kids or you've ever not known where your kids are before. It's a scary experience. Can you imagine how Mary and Joseph must have felt? Like we talk about all of us being God's kid, but this is actually God's kid and you just misplaced him. That's a big deal. But I love Mary's response. Mary doesn't say, well, we're too far gone. It's been a day. I hope all is well with him and it works out. The Bible says that she turns and they go back to where they left him. Doesn't mean that she didn't have thoughts of fear or worry or concern, but she was intentional in going back to the place where they had left him and began seeking him out because she had something inside of her that was reminding her that even though she couldn't see him, even though she didn't know where he was at, it didn't mean that hope was gone because Mary had a promise, not just of a child, but that Jesus would grow up to be the savior of the world, that he would grow up to be a king whose kingdom would never end. And as a result of that, she didn't give up. She began to pursue him. And I think for a lot of us, we get to this place where we stop hoping and we just choose to give up to God because we believe everything is too far gone. I started following the crowd. I started making mistakes. These situations are a mess. I don't see how God could work in it. And therefore, I choose not to hope and I choose not to believe that God 
can come through for me. But Mary understood who he was. And I love what happens when Mary finally finds Jesus. Because the Bible says that three days pass and they finally find him in the temple. And I wanna read this again. Verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus replied this way. He said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I like how other translations put it. They say, Jesus said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? If there was ever a moment where I could relate to Mary, it's in this moment where she is anxious, she's worried, and she's a little bit angry at Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like hope was gone? You felt like you were in a hopeless place, and maybe you were even the one who caused the mess. And you get to a place of anxiety and worry and fear, and it leads to you even being mad at God. I can tell you that if I, as a pastor, deal with this, I imagine that there's been a moment in your life where you have dealt with it too. I have had moments where I have been so full of anxiety and worry that I couldn't eat and I couldn't see God in the situation and I, I wondered how he was working and I wondered how he was moving and I wondered if he even cared about me. And those would be moments where if I wasn't careful, I could lay down my hope and I could choose to not believe and just accept things for how they were. But Mary shows us that when we have those feelings, we should just verbalize them to God. And she brings that to Jesus. And I love his response because even as a young boy, he gives us a glimpse into who he's gonna be as an adult. He answers her question with a question. And I don't know if you've ever been irritated at your kids before and you ask them something that you already know the answer to and then they answer you with a question. I would wanna smack this kid upside his head. But Mary doesn't do that. And Jesus is doing something powerful that a lot of us miss. Because a lot of us think, well, my hope is lost. My hope is gone. It's a hopeless situation. And the truth is not that your hope is gone. The truth is that you left your hope somewhere. And it's the place where you stop believing that God is who he says he is. And that Jesus can do what he says he can do. And Jesus' reply does what Jesus does to us when we bring him our problems. He doesn't remind Mary of who she is. He reminds her of who he is. And in our me, me, me culture, some of you come in week after week after week, and you want us to tell you who you are and, and tell you about the giftings on your life and the things that are on the inside of you and who you can be and who you can become. And sometimes I think when we're facing hopeless situations where we have laid everything down, What's important is not who we are, but it's who God is in relation to us. And I just believe today that if you find yourself in that situation, if like Mary and Joseph, you will just go back to Jesus and you'll begin to give it all back to him. 
That's the place that he will remind you of who he is and what he is able and capable of doing in your life. Because when we understand truly who Jesus is, it will change things about us. I love the fact that Mary and Joseph had to be intentional in telling Jesus who he was. I understand that he was the son of God, but not only did they model the right behavior, but they constantly spoke affirmation, I'm sure, into who Jesus was so that he had an understanding that I may be here on earth but I have a far greater purpose. And I may have an earthly dad, but greater is my father who is in heaven and it is him who directs and orders my steps. Some of you need to get around the right people who will start speaking words of affirmation and love into your life, who will stop telling you everything you're doing wrong, but will remind you about who God is and who he's created you to be. My girls, before they go to bed every single night, whether they pray by themselves or I pray with them, I pray the same words of affirmation over them every single night. I thank God for them. I declare that they are beautiful, that they are smart, that they are leaders and not followers, that they are anointed, that they are called by God to do mighty things for his kingdom. I ask for God's protection over them. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to them and lead them so that they can lead others into relationship with him. Mary and Joseph were intentional in telling Jesus the son of God, who he was. And in a moment when she was weak and in a moment where she was anxious, and I'm sure in a moment where she felt like her hope was gone, Jesus reminded her of who he was and the purpose of what he was sent to do. I told you at the beginning that that my mother had went through hell the past couple of years with her family and and a lot of legal situations and things that were going on and just lies and, and things being told. And this is a woman who has faithfully served God, whose husband faithfully served, not at a big church like this. I mean, they could have given up a long time ago, but faithfully served in the house that God had called them to. And I watched her go through all of this situation. But every time I would talk to her, she would just remind me of the hope that she had in Jesus. And I'm not telling you she didn't have bad days. I'm not telling you that she didn't have doubts. I'm not telling you that there weren't times when she worried. But when she had those moments, my dad told me that she would go back to God's word and she would remind herself of the promises of who God was. And she would be refilled with that hope and she would be refilled with that trust. And she would begin to believe God for the miracle again. And just a couple of weeks ago, out of nowhere, she calls me. And the first thing she says on the phone is, it is done. That God came through and he took an impossible situation and he turned it around. God worked everything out. And I have to believe it is because my mother never gave up hope. She kept choosing to believe that God could come through for her. And if God could do it for her, I believe that God can do it for you. And if you find yourself today in a situation where you feel like hope is lost, hope is gone, I just want to tell you that it's not gone. It's not lost. It's at the place where you laid it down and stopped believing God for your miracle. And I just would encourage you this morning to take it right back to him 
because that's the place where he's gonna remind you of his goodness and his glory and his favor. And I believe that God is gonna move in your situation. Can I pray for you? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you find yourself in a place this morning where you are struggling and you are hurting and you don't know how God's gonna come through and, and you said to yourself, I don't know if I believe anymore. I'm gonna pray right now that God would infuse you with faith, that he would infuse you with hope, that he is good and that he is able to move in your life. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every individual that is under the sound of my voice. And I thank you for your word and I thank you that just like Mary, God, if we're experiencing anxiety and worry, that we can come boldly to you and that you will remind us of who you are. I thank you right now that if there are anyone in this place that is struggling with sickness, we just declare that you are a healer. Father, if they lack anything, I just speak provision and abundance over their lives so that you wouldn't only meet their needs, but that you could use them to meet others. Father, if they're struggling with worry, stress, fear, or depression, Lord, I just speak peace to their mind right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that you would bring miracles upon your people, that God, you would do what your word says. Lord, I just pray that you would show them how faithful and wonderful that you are. And we just give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Paul. Don't you appreciate him?